Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's going on, PD? Uh, I'm very cold and wet. <laughs> Not liking this weather. Yeah, you were just outside with the dog. Yeah, Rachel, how are you? How's it? Uh, how's it in your uh, world? It's gross. The rain, the frozen rain, is making noises like I've never heard frozen rain make before. Yeah. Like I yeah. thought. I thought that the trade-off for living in central Ohio in February was that if the weather was below freezing, the bonus of that is that it doesn't rain. So you get snow, which I like snow, but whatever the hell is happening outside right now, I don't care for. So we just had legitimately an ice storm on Saturday. And so yesterday my car was literally an ice cube. I had to just get all that off. It's It's like a balmy 40 degrees now. And it's going to be warmer tomorrow. But I just saw where they're having a crazy snowstorm in Texas. And it's 14 degrees in Dallas right now. Yeah. I was just... That's- I saw a 130 degree span between the hottest and coldest temperatures in... Um, I don't know if it was North America or if it was the contiguous United States or yeah. what the range was. But like that, like it's... 100 degrees in Florida right now, like you just said, it's like sub-freezing in Texas of all places. Climate change is on its way, people. We are, here we go. <laughs> we'll go ahead and get into it. So to recap a quick and very busy last week, the Blue Jackets, of course, beat the Hurricanes last Monday, who is also tonight's opponent. They split with the Blackhawks and they will face the Predators this upcoming week after, of course, when you all hear this, it'll be Monday, last night's game against the Hurricanes. But as I mentioned, lots of storylines last week, PD, and we'll start with, this feels like forever ago, but (laughs) Patrick Laine being benched for reportedly mouthing off to an assistant coach. Both Tortorella and Laine talked in the immediate aftermath. Seems kind of like much ado about nothing now. Laine said he agreed with the decision, also said it should impact his desire to stay with the club long term. But I guess it's easy to ask what were your thoughts, but we've heard more about it since then. But I don't think it's really a huge deal now. When it happened, I was thinking, wow, like, what are you doing, Torts? 
Uh, yeah, it's a very weird situation. Um, yeah, it happened just, you know, not long after we talked last week on the podcast about how good line A looked right. and how things, how well things were going. And then, yeah, all of a sudden he's stapled to the bench. And of course the first thought that goes to your mind is like, oh God, yep. here we go again. Like another star player <laughs> bench this time, it, you know, it took him just four games to get to that point. And then of course there's the immediate speculation as to why and people going over his shifts, like, oh, was he dogging it like Pierre-Luc Dubois was, you know, is he going to want out too? Um, now, you know, when the day after when Torch was like, you know, we're past this and when even Line A was saying the right things about, oh, yeah, we're past this. Uh, I didn't necessarily believe that. Like it's one thing right. to say it, but it's another thing for everyone to actually get past it. But I would say given what went down that the next two games for Line A went how you would want them to go if there were no issues. He was the most used forward in Thursday's game. He played 20 minutes, you know, did not have as much of an impact as the other players did in that crazy six to five game. He did have an assist, but you know, he was being used. So Torts obviously went, trusted him to go back to him. Uh, and then uh, on Saturday's game, he, in first period, he had a goal and he had a fight, his first career <laughs> fight, um, which, you know, has got to be something that Torts would love yeah. to see. So, uh, things seem to be okay now. Uh, it's definitely a situation to monitor. Uh, I think it's funny that once Brian Hedger reported that the reason for the benching was that he had mouthed off at an assistant, the collective reaction from Blue Jackets fans seemed to be, God, I hope it was Brad Larson. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, because that's someone who maybe deserves to have been mouthed off at. Um, in seriousness, though, I, you know, if that was really the reason, then I understand why Torts would have to have some discipline, you know, again, like with Dubois, you question, like, did it really have to be the entire game? Could it only have been a period, period and a half, something like that. But, but I get why he did it, but yeah, I hope that everyone can move on from this. I hope that this doesn't sour the blue Jack experience on line. A, he seems to be still fine about it, you know, but it, it's kind of hard to read. He just seems like a kind of happy go lucky guy. Right, anyways. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I mean, PD, I think you nailed it with a lot of those points. Especially, I do feel like we've kind of been in this, unfortunately, circuitous situation where players and coaches, oh yeah, everything's fine, everything's good, and then it's clearly not. So, But I don't have that same vibe about this. I feel like this has just been a result of growing pains, Lina getting used to the expectations. I mean, he stepped into a, a really big shoes and I feel like that's kind of being forgotten. Everyone expected him to just show up here and play like he was branded as being able to. And that's exactly what he's done. You know, I mean, we've, and that's, what's been fun to watch about this. I also think that we are all looking back on this situation, like with rose colored glasses, because it, it's, they won the game, even, despite line a being bent whole third period and Roslovic right. scored the winning goal. It was kind of poetic almost. So it's like, yeah, torts. And then they're all able to joke and be. And it, it, was, a, it was a beautiful right. goal too. Right. Let's... No, like it was seriously storybook. So that's what has been funny for me to watch all of this unravel in the past week because so many different variables could have been different where I think it really could have been way more negative than it turned out to be, which thank God because the Jackets don't need any more of that hostility in their locker room. So uh, I think it turned out fine. Line A seems, I just, again, think it's growing pains, his first fight. That was cool. 
seems like he it's just you know dirt off his shoulders type thing just gotta brush it off and keep moving forward with torts and they both seem like they're willing to do that so i'm not that worried about it i think it's funny i enjoyed it yeah i was gonna say it feels like so long ago now so much has changed or happened since then but i was kind of eating up this drama because i mean we don't really want drama but it's kind of fun and different i mean maybe depending on who you ask it's fun (laughs) or not but um you know, it's with the whole line A thing. I don't think we even know what he said. I don't know if it was just competitive juices flowing and just that kind of thing happens sometimes. But uh, like you said, PD, it'd be kind of funny if he was telling Larson, like, hey, I know how to run a power play or something. Who knows? I don't know. But obviously, <laughs> like you said, that was kind of the joke. But uh, yeah, at least, you know, I was very impressed with the team's performance again. Well, for the most part, uh, in their Thursday win against the Hawks, scoring, coming back, and then. Saturday, at least with line A in the first period, especially like seeing him, you know, I was a little, it was a little nerve wracking watching him get into a fight just because, you know, it's like, wow, we don't want this guy to get hurt or anything, but, uh, right. Yeah. Don't make a habit of it. Right. Exactly. So speaking of the offense now, maybe not so much on Saturday, but it seems like maybe they're breaking out a little bit. Maybe they're figuring something out. We know Jack Roslovic, another guy we talked about last week has just been on fire, uh, four goals, five assists, and he didn't even play games with the Jets. So his all of his actions coming with Columbus this season. Atkinson was the first star of the week last week. A four-point performance in Chicago, seven points on the week with three goals and four assists. So we were kind of talking about that, PD, in the slack about maybe Atkinson needs, whether it's Roslovic or some some a specific player, maybe to, a style of player to play with to get him going. But it's nice to see Atkinson among the players starting to score and maybe figure it out offensively because if he gets going obviously the team really needs that yeah yeah the it's we you need we need their best players to be playing well and for the start of the season that was an issue and Ken Atkinson is certainly a guy that you you need to be contributing on offense and yeah since he got paired up with Roslovic he seems like a, a new player uh and Thursday was, you know, by far his best game of the season. That was a four-point game from him. One goal, three assists, and all those assists came on goals that were, you know, part of a comeback in the third period. Uh, they scored four goals in the third period to win that game. Uh, so, yeah, getting Atkinson going is huge. They're playing with confidence, you know. And Torts mentioned that he had a uh, a goal on Saturday where he deflected a yep. Wierenski shot. And, and, and Torts made the point that it, that was like a, that's the kind of fluky, lucky goal that you get when things are going your way, you know, and when you're in a slump, that's the kind of goal that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so I, I think, I think Cam's feeling it. He's getting those bounces. Uh, I think another factor in the offense looking better is putting Kevin Stenlin in there as a regular. Yeah. Finally, I don't know what took this long, but uh, you know, he's a guy that, he seems like he's he's every game, every right? Game. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, he's just a natural in there. I, I really like the way he plays. You know, he doesn't have like great speed or doesn't do anything like exceptionally well, but he does like all the things you need to to contribute. He gets the best out of his wingers, so I'm glad to see him getting a chance. I'm glad to see him getting good wingers and in a top six role because like no one's else st- is stepping up at center besides him and Roslovic. So uh, just keep riding the hot hand. Yeah, Stenland is a right time and right place guy. Like, I don't feel like you can really yes. quantify the ways that he contributes, except for one point per game. That's a pretty nice clip to be at right now. But 
right you you don't look at him for any one thing or another it's just like yeah he's always where he needs to be and uh when he needs to be there when I was recapping the game on Thursday and I was looking up Stenland, because I know, PD, you keep saying, free Stenland, play Stenland. And I happened to look him up and I was like, yeah, it's something like four games, but he gets a point in every game. And it's just, yeah, what's this guy need to do to prove that he can play? But And maybe this will help with Stenland. But obviously another topic from last week was Miko Koivu retiring. Maybe somewhat abruptly. It's unfortunate given the circumstances for why he retired. Just I think his body just wasn't, I guess he just didn't feel like he could really play like he used to at the high level that he used to, obviously, throughout his tenure in the NHL. But with Koivu now retiring, that kind of opens up a spot for another body, obviously, on the roster, gives more playing time to somebody like a Stenlin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you when you heard the news about Koivu retiring, were you kind of thinking a guy like Stenlin right away or just in general? It's going to open up that spot or potentially give someone an opportunity to get regular playing time that otherwise might not be getting that or help at least solidify the lineup a little bit more. I don't know. I was sad. My, and which I think is cool. And I think is a testament to Koivu's career and his age, frankly. I mean, oh my God, I, I feel, <laughs> I know. And I feel like he is obviously relatively in like terms of human existence. So young, but in NHL spectrum he's super old so I thought it was really genuine of him to retire when he did be cut for the reasons that he did I think that the the timing of it was hilarious because it just kind of exacerbated everything else that the Blue Jackets had going on just so y'all know uh Mercury's in retrograde right now that's what I'm attributing to a lot of these crazy blue jackets goings on there was a new moon last week like we are just in this transitional phase where i'm just like of course like duh retrograde <laughs> but anyways <laughs> that's that's how i've been but uh, that actually explains a lot yeah i know and so for koivu to retire when he did yes i mean my first thought was stunland because like ever, you said he is proving game after game whenever he's in that contributes so um, I think he's the next, he's who I thought of immediately, but obviously Tortorella might have something else in mind. So, Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. 
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, well, if, first of all, bless your heart for saying that Koivu is, is young on human terms because he's just a year older than me. So. Well, right, that's what I mean. Uh, I, know, I, know, I know he's not old. I, I would never – I mean, I, I'm old by hockey standards. Some of those players that are coming in make me feel like an old lady. You're like so 25. I, I, I know, and some of the players are 19, 20. Y'all living, living, yeah, with no, it, uh, is objective. living next to a multimillionaire <laughs> house that was owned by someone three years younger than me really, really made me consider my age to wealth ratio. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Sorry that, but I yeah. have been thinking about that a lot. Didn't mean to cut you off PD. Go ahead. Koivu. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. No, Koivu is objectively ancient by hockey standards. That's fine. I, it was nice to have someone on the team that was older than me. So now it's back to like last year where everyone on the team is younger than me. And that's, that's a rough time to, to hit in your life, a rough milestone. But, uh, I, I hate to admit it, but I was almost a little relieved when he retired because I felt like he was not super effective and that it would open up the door for other younger players with more upside to get into the lineup. Like again, yeah, Stenlin, because uh, I I'm the self-proclaimed leader of the Stanlins. We stan Kevin Stenlin. Well, so uh, which I, I, I mean, I feel bad for for Koi, but I, I don't want right. to like celebrate his round. But he's had a great career. But and uh, I, I think we everyone knew that it was time. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of some people were like jumping to conspiracy theories, like, oh, what was the real reason why he stepped down? It's like, well, he said in the statement why. And it matches what we saw on the ice. So I think we can take it at face value that he thought his game wasn't up to it. Yeah. And from watching it, and the his game wasn't up to it. And the history of his injuries, you know, like it yeah, just all so, made perfect sense. Yeah, he'd obviously lost a step because of his bum knee. Then he had COVID in training camp. Mm. He's he's right. away from his family. Like He's not playing in front of fans. Like I don't blame the guy for his heart not being in it. And, uh, you know, his, yeah, his play was just... He wasn't adding too much on the ice. Uh, his final game, that uh, Sunday game against Carolina, uh, I you know I noticed that he was very ineffective in that game, and the coaches noticed it too. He only played two shifts in the third period, and those were both early in the third period. Uh, and then he was a healthy scratch in Monday's game, and so I think that was kind of a signal that the coaches were seeing less of a role for him, and that's what what must have led then to the conversation with between him and Torts and Yarmo, like all right, what's, you know, is there really a spot here or, or what? And, you know, that's, it's gotta be a real tough call to make for a player, yeah. you know, heart, you know, we've been doing this, you know, her whole life has been hockey. Uh, and so to transition to something else, uh, hopefully he stays in the game as a coach or in management or something, you know, hopefully he just finds happiness in retirement. Uh, you know, it's hard for, for any professional athlete to know when the right time is to retire. You know, because some guys, they go out on a good season, but then they're left with the nagging thought of, well, did I have more in me? And other guys, they stick around too long, and then they, so at least they know that they're done, but they've yeah. had that those bad seasons there at the end of the record. You know, no one wants those Willie Mays on the Mets type seasons on their career, right. or, you know. Maybe even Jordan on the Wizards, although he was still oh, pretty good for the Wizards. But okay. it wasn't quite the same, right. you know. Yeah. But no one, no one wanted to see him play for a team like the Wizards. Right. But, so uh, what did you guys – I was curious what you guys made of – so, again, more crazy storylines that filled forever ago and almost drop off at this point. But I was just thinking about 
remember the tweet? I think it was last Tuesday amidst everything else where I don't know if it was speculation, but Aaron Portsline kind of put out there like he thought maybe Torts is wanting out himself. And it's just, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make of that. I don't feel like Torts is trying to sabotage anything. I feel like he's coaching the way he always tr- pretty much does. But did you think there was anything to that? Or even think, like, is Torch trying to get fired by benching this guy or putting this guy in the lineup? Or did you make anything of that? No. I, I th- that's That was really weird. Yeah, it was weird. That, that whole thing. Because that doesn't seem like... Torch doesn't seem like the guy right. to self-sabotage like exactly. that. And I think also that... that Theory doesn't hold up once we got the information about why the benching happened, because based on the reason, and everyone everyone pretty much seemed to confirm what it was, you know, Torts was justified in doing that. So that was not Torts trying to screw things over. That was Torts basically following the kind of rules that he always does. Okay, a player crossed the line, the player's going to make the, all right, woo! All right, game just started, and Cam Atkinson just got a goal, or maybe line A, so... Cam is uh, back. Good work from the first line. Woof. Gosh, I love this first line with, with Atkinson, line eight, Rosalvik. That's so good. I was good. thinking they were in Columbus yeah, so, tonight. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, last, last game of a road trip here. Just one game in Carolina. Yeah. So not a is, not a two-game series. Like that feels so been. weird now to only have one game of it against an opponent. <laughs> we're already trained to this two-game thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, that was yeah, line A shot, and Atkinson got I just the saw it on my tape delay. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Anyway, so back back to the Torts thing, uh, you know, and, and you know, Portsline has lots of sources. He generally has some pretty good information. So I don't know why he would just yeah make that up out of thin air. So he must be basing it on something. I do believe that Torts could see this being near the end of his career. Sure. So you know, his contract's up in the summer. I wouldn't be surprised if he decides that he's done, or if the team decides, hey. Let's just go in a new direction, try something new. They can make a, a clean mutual break at that point. I think that's true. I don't think that Torts is going to force his way out prematurely. Uh, I think he's going to want to give this his all for the whole season and then maybe decide after all this that that's all he has left to give. Yeah, and so I know we were all a little <laughs> probably annoyed I know I was kind of annoyed Saturday when Felino was out in overtime. I know you guys, uh, UNCs, were talking about that in the Slack, but uh, and I know it sounded like the idea was they wanted Felino to take that face off, but you know, you're it's three on three, it's overtime, it's wide open. You want your best scorers, you want one goal wins, and you don't necessarily equate that to Felino or a guy like Felino being out there in overtime, especially when you have Patrick Kane and Debrinket and these this firepower on the other side, and, and yeah. Well, it, it, in over in three on three overtime, I, I think a clear lesson should be: you got to put your best, most skilled players out there. Um, so obviously, yeah, li- I was happy to see Line A out there because he deserved to be. Um, but yeah, why not Jack Rosovic out there or Max Domi or someone like that? Uh, you know, yeah, Felino. Maybe you trust him most to win the faceoff, but. There are guys that are going to be able to do more things with the puck when they're out there than Felino. He should not be your first option in there. And and then he he screwed up. He made two huge mistakes there. He he did a nice play to get the puck from Kane, but then he made a horrible pass that turned the puck back over. Then he went after Kane 
when Jones already had embarked, which left to bring it wide open. Uh, that's just a whole bunch of screw ups. And hopefully Torts learns from that and doesn't send Felino out for the next overtime and sends guys out there that might do some different things with the puck. Pretty much everything that PD said. I mean, yeah, I, I know that like the discourse lately has been, we need to stop giving guys, you know, just because of the amount of time that they've been on the team and because how much we pay them and because whatever, we need to stop giving them opportunities over the younger guys who are maybe better cut out for the task. Now, my argument on Nick Felino would be that randomly and maybe I will say unexpected by me, he's been producing this season. So I guess from that standpoint, I understand why he's in the power play and like, I, you know, I get it. I feel I feel as though right now in like Blue Jackets world, everything and everyone is hypersensitive um, just because, like you said, we, I feel mm. like we've already been kind of tricked into this like super crammed, super repetitive, almost like Groundhog Day season where I feel like every week is the same week as last because essentially it is. I feel like we're playing the same couple of teams and I'm hearing the same names over and over again because I'm yeah. watching two games in a row instead of one. Like <laughs> it has just been kind of disoriented. So I'm not hung up on Nick Foligno being in the uh, overtime. I yes, would I love to see Roslovic for sure. Like in a three-on-three situation, I think that that could be uh, productive. As do I think Nick Foligno is capable of. Of oh, everyone's gonna roast me. I don't even care. That's how I feel. <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, no. I no, see. The thing is, I, I think you're right. I, I think this has been a good season for Foligno overall. Um, he's been producing more offense than he has the last couple of seasons while still providing yeah, good defense. Somehow, like, like it doesn't make sense, but, but that's just what's but, happening. Right. Yeah, but I also think that it's what the coaches need to be doing. It's not just about the number of minutes that each player plays. I think it's about putting each player in the position to to play their best hockey, put them in roles that fit them. Which so that means, you know, Felino and Jenner. Keep them on the wing, not center, because they're not a good at center. And, you know, don't necessarily put Felino out there in three-on-three overtime where any mistake that he makes is going to be more costly. You know, put a guy in three-on-three overtime who has the skill set that fits three-on-three overtime. So you want guys that are fast, and you want guys that have good puck skills. Um, And, you know, that's just not necessarily... Felino's thing. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so they, 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 they put him in a position to fail rather than a position to succeed. I think. Right. I was just going to say players need to be set up to succeed and we're not necessarily always seeing that from this coaching staff. Sorry, Will, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to me, I guess, because it seems like, you know, we'll, we'll we report, we, we will repeatedly get on towards for playing certain veterans over and over when they make key mistakes. But then the young, as I put it, the young fun guy makes a mistake and it's like, Oh, he's benched for the rest of the game or his ice time diminishes or he won't play the next game. And, you know, it's like, I'd rather lose games with, you know, a guy like Texier or whoever named the guy mm. versus because Felino was out in overtime or Boone Jenner or something like That's that. Fair. That's and, fair. you know, and I was also wondering if you guys have thought about this too or, or noticed it too, but Zach Wierenski, for instance, I, I think on Saturday he had a turnover that resulted in a Blackhawks goal, but I'd rather be Wierenski out there than Felino because I know Wierenski can provide the offense too. Right. He's out tonight. Now, PD, you said Torts was talking about Wierenski being out tonight because basically he's still getting over his injury. They don't want to rush him or him risk yeah, further injury. Yeah, yeah. 
towards yeah, this was he on his pregame interview with Bob McElligot, he was saying that he felt that Wierenski's skating wasn't up to where it usually is, and their worry is that they don't want this injury to become one of those things that's a nagging injury that bugs him for weeks and weeks. So if they could give him a game off tonight, give him some more time to rest up, that he'll be closer to healthier later on. Um, so he didn't give a time frame on that. So hopefully it's a matter of just keeping him fresh for Thursday. Obviously, the sooner they can get him back in, the better. Um, although him coming out got Dean Kukan back in the lineup, which I think is a good thing. Andrew Peek has stayed in the lineup, which is a good thing. He has looked phenomenal uh, in the games that he's played, which makes you question, why was he not in sooner? Uh, they finally put Gabriel Carlson on waivers, yeah, which he cleared. Yeah. Which, yeah, he cleared, not surprisingly. Um, and nothing against him personally. I just feel like there are better options on the roster, and those are the ones who should get a chance to play. Stefan Mateau's um, back. Yeah. Uh, that's, which is weird. Again, they, you know, Torts talked about uh, Grigorenko and says, you know, he wants Grigorenko to play a, top six role and he's not he doesn't figure out how to how to do that torts doesn't know how to get him into the top six yet which uh, i can think of some ways to do that but i would agree <laughs> that greg and renko is wasted on a fourth line role again that's not putting him in a position to succeed so if you want a fourth line grinder yeah i think mato can do that i'm kind of excited to see mato again and the jackets looks like they scored again maybe oh it's an own goal wow oh that's embarrassing was that jenner's goal i will or? take it yeah, I think it's maybe assigned to Jenner. Oh, but yeah, it looks like a a, a Blackhawk. I mean, a, a Hurricane knocked so it James, in. So James James Reimer is the goalie for Carolina, and I thought it was kind of funny from Torch because I don't think we really hear him talk about other teams like this. But he said something like he was talking about. I think he was. I think it was Torch, and I know it was Carolina talking about. Uh, you know, he thought they're a really good team. He was like, if they get some goaltending they could be that could help take them further. Jeez. Which I know mm-hmm. it was just kind of funny to me though because it seemed like a shot. Even if it wasn't intentional, it was kind of like, yeah, they get some goaltending, they could be. But uh, I know it's Peter Morazic, right? Isn't that who they have? Who's out right now with a broken? I want to say correct surgery mm-hmm. on a finger yeah. or a thumb or something like that. Yeah, so, I think and then yeah, he, and he been, he he been really good to start the season too. But yeah, Reimer is not up to being right. the, the everyday guy. Right. Yeah, and of course their backup is basically. I forget his name now. The one we were talking about, who is from Ohio. Neither or something. Uh, Nijelkovic. That's yep. right. From Parma, Ohio. Exactly. Yep. Shout from out Parma. Ohio players. Jack Roslovig beat him last week. But no, it's in general, I think it's really cool, though, to have other Ohio-born players and people from Ohio Absolutely. in the league. So really cool yep. to see. Good for him. But yeah. But yeah, it's a good point. I mean, obviously, Reimer's good, but he's not, like you said, he's not starter material. So... Or at least on an every night basis. I think he can obviously hold his own every now and then for sure. But uh So I've gotten a couple questions about the sourdough bread. <laughs> so <laughs> I yes. just I don't here's the thing. I have a starter that I can't replicate. I have to give it to you, to anybody who wants it. So maybe we can work something out. I don't know if people are in Columbus. It's literally in a Ziploc bag. But I, I, I can't. Well, I have, I have, I have my own starter. Will my own starter not work for this? So I believe that that whatever this is, so it's a cinnamon sourdough, and you feed it with sugar. So the 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 starter itself, over a period of ten days, when you ferment it, it becomes sweet. Like I don't know exact. I don't. That's the thing. I don't understand the science. My aunt just gave me a bag of this starter. When I was home for Christmas and it's just been multiplying. So 
I am not. I just wanted to explain that I'm not withholding this recipe. Bonkers. <laughs> I'm not withholding it from anybody. I just don't. I have a starter, but I don't know how to how to make it. So I'd have to give one to you. So, anyways, maybe we can figure out the logistics of that. If anybody really is, is really seriously invested in learning how to make this, I can. And then, yeah, you just have to feed it for. You feed it twice over ten days, and you have to mush it, and it makes all this air. So you have to release the air from the bag. It's crazy. It's science. I don't get it. I. I studied journalism in school. I, I the last time I took chemistry was in high school, so I don't know. What's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in that bag. I don't, but it turns out it it tastes good when I bake it. Maybe David Savard should learn how to cook or do sourdough because I had a, the egregious turnover he just had is uh, it's a no no. And it looks also like possibly another offsides on a Carolina goal. Right. So that might work out. Let's see. Oh geez, but yeah, I, I uh, was working on my sourdough starter last night. Um, I had it in the fridge because I wasn't using it, but I was making some sourdough chocolate chip cookies, so I needed to get it out for that. So wow. now I'm working on feeding it again. I oh, have yeah. never heard yeah, of sourdough so. chocolate chip. Okay, I'm gonna have to try some of those. I'll exchange for a loaf of my cinnamon bread. Okay, I will. I will set some aside for you. Absolutely. Okay, amazing. Um. That and then uh, I think, oh, oh my God, I wanted to talk about one other thing that absolutely devastated me this weekend. And that was learning via in- Instagram story that Max Domi has a girlfriend. Or at least he posted a picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Valentine's I saw that. He is my, he's my crush this year. He is, I just think the, wor- <laughs> I just the, last think year? the world of him. Uh, I don't know if I have one. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that he did either. No, yeah. So, anyways, Max Domi is my crush. Well, Gavrikov, right? Oh, oh yeah, Grav- Yeah, but he's right. married, so like, I'm not into that. Like, I admire him from like a, uh, you know, like a friendly, <laughs> you know. But like Max Domi, I was like, oh, like he is cute. As far as I know, his Instagram is just of his dog. So I was like, okay, cool. And then he posted a picture of a girl yesterday for Valentine's Day. And I was like, so anyways, that's my, that was my high and low for the week. My cinnamon bread and Max Domi having a girlfriend. Big low. (laughs) Not, not to change the subject, but I love, I love all the tweets right now. Shout out Seeds. Ben Savard already. Jesus Christ. Brian Hedger. What, what is Savard doing on that one? Ouch. And then Michael Neff also was like Savard. What the hell <laughs> on that on that play? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, if Wierenski is good to go later this week, I think they need to seriously consider scratching Savard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this does need to be a permanent benching, but like he has not been on his game this year. If nothing else, just sit him to give him a chance to like rest up yeah. a little bit. Maybe that's what he needs. But uh, he's been he's been really rough all year. Uh, on Saturday, I noticed that. You know, he and Gavrikov were split up, and Gavrikov and Peak had great, they were doing great together. Savard and Delzato, not so much. So it's very clear who the weak spot of, uh, of that pairing had been. So, uh, yeah, Savard, they need to do something with him because he keeps hurting the team. And maybe this goal, Interesting. maybe they'll take this goal off the board, which would sort of even out yep. the greatest mistake from last week when, of course, Columbus got yep. screwed, but you know. Yep, it says call overturned. So I'm on delay, so. <laughs> All right. So. I haven't even started watching it. Karma. I need to go do that. Well, yeah, go do that, that because that's all we had for this week. We'll be back next week. In fact, we'll have a special guest next week. More on that. Keep it a surprise. But follow <laughs> along, of course, at CBJ Cannon on Twitter, jacketscannon.com. And we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. 
Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJCannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates.